the valley low, from the valley low, in the darkest place, from the highest heights of the mountain face, in the river mouth of every night and day, where there is, where there is no love, will you be my love? Help 
This is the last Sunday service of 2015. Why don't you greet your neighbor? Come on, look to the neighbor to your right and to your left. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Come on, the year may change, right? 2015 is, is here and it's gone. We're going to have to start signing dates differently now <laughs> we know we're gonna make some mistakes as you're writing things and you know that may change you know the years may change but god's love right his faithfulness to us to his people never changes amen come on can i get an amen in the house is there a witness he never changes Salvation sounds. Salvation sounds a new beginning. As distant hearts begin believing. Redemption's bid is Get again, salvation sounds. Salvation sounds a new beginning. As innocent hearts begin believing, redemption's bid is unrelenting. Your love goes on. Come on, church, sing it out. Your love goes on. You carry. You carry us. You carry us. When the world gives way, you cover us. You cover us with your endless grace. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Time is up. The 
the time is up for chasing shadows You gave the world a light to follow A hope that shines beyond For see your love goes out Yeah, your love goes on Yeah, your love goes on
everyone as the band plays right now, we'll sing our own songs to the Lord. Come on, sing of all the good things the Lord has done for you in 2015. to the prayer and worship with all eyes closed in this place. As we reflect on what God has done in 2015, when you look back, it's, it's 2020. You can see everything that had happened. You can go back and say, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I could do this. But through it all, God's been there. Maybe you're coming into the faith and maybe you're realizing his goodness. God is with us here in this place right now. In the same way he's treated us with his love, his grace, and mercy, that won't change. It's not like he gets tired of loving us, like we're too much. But when you think about what our lives are and, and what we do, sometimes we can think to ourselves, man, I'd get tired of myself too, but he doesn't. So right now, with an attitude of, of gratitude, Let's just give thanks to the Lord for what he's done in 2015. God, I thank you for my marriage. God, I thank you for bringing my wife. Come on, I thank you for favor at the job, God. God, I thank you for my family and their health. Come on, just lift your voice now with just thanking the Lord. Come on, this place isn't a library church. Come on, we're worshiping together. Let's encourage one another what God has been doing in your life. God, thank you for opening doors, God. Thank you that you were to step forth in this place. We thank you for disciples in this church. We thank you for our leaders, God. We thank you for their lives, God. We thank you for the people that were touched this year. The people who gave their lives to you, we thank you, God.
sweet king hallelujah sweet jesus come on hallelujah 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 to the king to the king of glory hallelujah 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 we come this morning because of you king jesus we're here this morning singing praises, dear God. That's our offering unto you because you are worthy to receive all praise and adoration. Hallelujah, hallelujah to the King of glory. Why don't you lift up your hands with me right now? Come on, maybe you've had a long week. Maybe, maybe you had a tough holiday season with things happening with your family. But today as you gather together, with your brothers and sisters worshiping the king, there is power. Come on, God smiles down and God inhabits the praises of his people. So we sing hallelujah to the king of kings this morning. We sing hallelujah. Heaven's overcome. We sing hallelujah. We
2015. We thank you for the blessings, dear God, upon each and every one of us. We thank you for salvation, God. We thank you for the joy of our salvation. We thank you for family members who were lost, but now today are saved. Father, we thank you for the trials that we've been through, dear God, because in them we have learned that you are Lord of all. We thank you because through them we know that you still sit on that throne. Father God, we thank you, dear God, for providing in times where we did not have. We thank you, dear God, because you've never left us and you never forsook us, dear God. We thank you because along the way we've seen your hand leading and guiding us, Lord God. You are worthy to be praised. And so we lift up 2015 to you, dear God, and we say be glorified through everything, dear God. Father, through the trials, through the testimonies, dear God, Father, be glorified. And we lift up 2016 and we ask you to have your way in our lives. We ask, dear God, that, that we would draw closer to you in times of trouble, dear God, that we would run and hide in your shelter, dear God, and not run and hide from you. Father, we pray, dear God, that we would, we would persevere, dear God, through our prayer times. Father, in, in times, dear God, where we lack faith, that you would show up and show off in 2016, that you would be glorified, that we would see new families fill this room, dear God that we would see Belmont and Cragen transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would see the city of Chicago transformed in 2016 as your disciples gather together to lift up your name. So be glorified and through this service, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Woo, God is good. Why don't you take some time to greet your neighbor and find your seat? Thank you so much for being here with us at Metro Praise, all the King's Kids children. You can make your way back. Your Sunday school teacher is waiting for you in the back. Everyone else, my name is Pastor Griselda. It's so good to be here with you all. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Titus 3. Titus 3, 4 through 7. The Bible tells us in John 3, 3 that unless you are born again, you cannot see God's kingdom. So I want to share the gospel with you. Before we move, any, we, we move forward, Jesus said that unless you yourself are born again, receive new life, you cannot see his kingdom. He has set a standard that if you want to make it in, you have to be made new. Why is that? The Bible tells us that we are all born sinners, that we've all fallen short of his glory. And because of sin, we don't have a place with him. And if you stop and you slow down and you think about that, that is some serious truth. Because life is short. Can you agree? It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But this is not all that there is. There is eternal life. 
And God says that if you are born again, you can have eternal life with him. And the scripture tells us here in Titus 3, 4, to, 4 through 7, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Amen? It says here that because of his grace, he saved us. Because he is merciful, he extended the opportunity for you and I to be renewed, for you and I to have rebirth. So brothers and sisters, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your sin stands against you. You do not have the forgiveness of sin. Every lie that you've told, every adulterous thought, every deceptive idea, everything deep down inside, God Almighty knows. And he says that he's willing to forgive you. He's willing to wash you clean if you call on the name of Jesus. Be born again. We were born once a sinner, but you can be born again a saint. Amen? I'm going to pray for those who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If, you, if you're backslidden, today is the day of salvation. You cannot play with God anymore. Start 2016 right with God. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Father, you didn't have to forgive us. You saw our sin and our wickedness, dear God, and you could have done away with us, but yet you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to take our punishment, to take our place. So I pray that if there's anyone in this room who does not know you, Father, today they would surrender to you. They would stop running from the call that you have upon their life, and they would be the disciples that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet with me. In just a few moments, we're going to have some prayer workers right over here. If that's you and you're saying, I want to live for Jesus. I want to rededicate my life to God. They're going to be up here and they're going to pray with you. But at this time, we're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. This is what MPI stands on. We live and we die by this. So let's confess this together loudly and powerfully. Amen? On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Please take some time to greet your neighbor, meet somebody new. If you need prayer, our prayer workers are right up here for you.
good to have you all here with us. Please find your seat. Welcome to Metro Praise International. So good to have you all here with us. Did you guys have a Merry Christmas? Was it awesome and amazing? Amen. Welcome back. Here at Metro Praise, we have Sunday services at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. with our children's, uh, children's in the back provided for you. And we have a Friday youth service taking place at 7 p.m. Elevate. Amen. Awesome. And here at MPI, we have a vision. Somebody say vision. All right, we're going to get there. Vision of loving God and loving who? Loving God and loving people. The two greatest commands that Jesus Christ gave us. And we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. We want to make sure that you are connected to Jesus. He's Lord and Savior of your life. And then you get connected to the life groups. Somebody say life groups. Life groups are places where we share life together, different settings, different things for different people. So find one that meets your needs, especially in 2016. Let's start fresh. Let's start connected. And so here's what's going on this week. Today we have our single moms group taking place at 5 p.m. Amen. Single moms group. They're rocking it out. And then we have Wednesday Kings Kids taking place this Wednesday at 6.30. Yes. Give it up for them. The amazing ministry. And then Fridays, come on, Fridays we got our Bible studies that normally take place, but because of the new year, we're actually taking off this Friday. But come ready because uh, January 8th, when we come back together, we're actually starting the Truth Project series. It's an amazing time, you guys. We're going to rock it out. Check out our Facebook page. We're going to put out more information so that you guys can come ready. And then lastly, Saturday, we have evangel evangelism taking place at 5 p.m. Come on, evangel, yes. You guys are excited this morning. I like it. All right, so what evangelism is going out into the city of Chicago, preaching the gospel to our neighbors because that's what we do. Amen? And so once you get connected, we want to make sure that you get mentored. Somebody say mentored. Somebody wants to walk with you through your journey with Jesus Christ. And so we have one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We have elders or deacons who want to mentor you at a time that's convenient for you once a week, once every two weeks minimum, once a month. So there is no pressure, but we definitely want to be in your life, hold you accountable, and encourage you to do great things for Jesus. And once you finish the one-on-one, -on -one, you go on to the 201. Somebody say 201. Disciples making disciples. This is our leadership class, so you want to make sure you get connected because the last part of our discipleship strategy is to be sent out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out into the community, into the world, just to preach the gospel, to share it with your neighbors, to share it with your family members and friends, because that's what it's all about. Amen? So it's connect, mentor, and send. And then we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 around the world. Let's give God some glory. Amen? All right. Now it's time to get into our tithes and our offering. We are in uh, our last lesson here. So we were talking about overcoming hindrances. Lesson number 10, we're talking about overcoming idolatry. And so what is a hindrance? A hindrance is anything that's going to hold you back from obeying God's command. So if we get, can get to our scripture up on the screen, please. Here we go. Lesson number 10. I'm going to pull it up on my phone. Okay. Scripture is Matthew 6, 24. Can you, there you go. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Amen? 
You just cannot. You can't serve two different people. You can't serve God and be divided and be led by money. And so point number one tells us here, it says you cannot serve two masters. Jesus made it very clear that the number one competing idol with God, with with the true God, was money. He taught that you couldn't have two masters because one will always be in charge of your life. And so that's what money tends to do. It tends to dictate what you do. When you have money, you feel large and in charge, right? And then I can go to the store. I can buy whatever I want. I can do whatever I want with my day. And then when you don't have money, what do you feel? You feel down. But that cannot be. If God is Lord of your life, if he is Savior, if he's number one, then you always have that joy, right? You always know that God is in control and he will be your provider. And so you cannot serve both. Number two tells us love and hate. Serving God will cause you to hate the idol of money, and serving money will result in you hating God as your master. Most idolaters will not publicly admit they actually hate God, but their rebellious disobedience, ooh, somebody say rebellious disobedience, but their rebellious disobedience to his commands of generosity show their inner hatred. That's tough, isn't it? But it's true. If God commands you to give and to be generous with his kingdom, with his people, with people you don't even know, missionaries across the world, but money has a hold of your heart, you're going to be greedy. You're going to be rebellious and disobedient to the commands of God, and that cannot be. So who is your master? If the idol of money is your master, then you will let it decide how you give to God. However, if God is truly your master, you will let him decide how you spend your money. Amen. And so in summary, make God the master over your money and make money obey God's commands. Amen. Here's how to apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes and offerings. Tithes is 10% of your total income and offering is anything that you give to him afterwards, after that. And number two, repent if you have allowed the idol of money to be your master by preventing you from obeying God's commands of giving. And lastly, joyfully love God and make him master of your entire life. Amen. Please stand to your feet. Come on, that's good. Let's recite this confession together over our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Amen. So here at MPI, anytime you give your tithes, it goes to, for the general fund. It takes care of all of our operating expenses. Anything that you give after your 10%, you choose whether it goes to missions or to the building fund, okay? So on your envelopes, you can choose and designate where your monies go. And so in 2016, we're starting our building fund. We are raising $11,120 for new band equipment. Come on. So we're asking you to partner with us. This is going to be amazing. We're going to have new band equipment, new sound system. We're going to expand the stage a little bit. So it's going to be just right. Amen? And so here are the three things that we're asking you to do. Number one is pray. Ask God, God, what is it you want me to give? Amen? Number two, listen. Receive the word that God gives it to you. Don't brush it off. After you pray, expect God to answer you, all right? And lastly, give. Be faithful to give generously and sacrificially. Amen? 
All right, and here's a reminder. If you want to give your tithes, you can give up front, you can give online, and you can also do your credit cards in the back with myself. Uh, let's recite this scripture together in Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the one that provides the seed, Father, that we can sow into your kingdom, to sow into this ministry, Father, and, and affect and, and impact so many lives around us in this community and even all over this world. We thank you for the testimonies, dear God, that come forth from people knowing that you are the one blessing them, Father, that you're blessing them to go to them and through them. So we pray, dear God, for provision for your people. We pray for favor, dear God, over each and every one of us, dear God. And if there's anyone struggling, dear God, with the love of money, I pray that you would expose that in their hearts today, that we would not be led by the love of money, but be led by you, always being obedient to your commands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Please come up as you give, and thank you so much. You are God and I am found, that your love is all around, bringing peace, bringing joy, let the heavens resound, of your love, of your grace, of your glory. Amen. How many are ready for the word? Say amen. All right. Now I got a special guest that had five weeks off because of an injury. For those of you who don't know, someone ran a red light while my wife and I were driving home from a birthday party and totaled our car, crashed into us, broke my wife's ankle in three different places. She had to get two different surgeries, and uh, she is with us today. Would you give it up for Nancy? Vodostik, I'm going to have you just share a little bit. You tucked in over here. I was missing her so, so much. It is like this is, this is not even just my other half. This is my whole heart right here. This is everything to me. I was, I was crying various Sundays coming back and forth to church, literally, sometimes in my office, little tears, because this is my boo through boo. I love you so much. I just want to say thank you so much for all of your prayers, your care for us, and just your extension of wanting to serve me and my family. Um, I am so excited to be back. Five weeks seemed so long, but being here today, I felt like really I, like I never missed. Um, I'm just really happy and thankful that the, the worst part is behind us and we're moving forward. We still need your prayers. 
I will not be able to walk for the next three months because uh, I can't put pr any pressure on my ankle, but it is fixed, and uh, we're just so thankful to the Lord for his goodness, his faithfulness. He really, you know, looking back over the year, uh, has prepared us in the smallest detail. You know, Joe and I will have conversations at so many different times that we just think of how God loves us, and he's not a, a mean bully. He is a good, good father, and so even when tragedy strikes, we have to know that he's a good father. He loves us, and he will prepare us for life's tragedy and trials and tribulations if we abide in him. So, uh, again, thank you so much, and we just look forward to having me walk again. Thank you. I love having my booster boo. That's my favorite right there. All right, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 15. So good to have you with us. Last Sunday of the year, man. Here it is. This is the last sermon of this series as well, Abide. How many enjoyed the Abide sermon series? Amen. I hope that you did. I know I enjoyed preaching it. I got so much out of it. And uh, just like my wife was saying, God prepares you for times that uh, are going to be tough ahead of you. And I remember talking about uh, the sermon, The Gardener. And we were talking about that in that sermon, how God is, is over our lives and he's watching what's going on. And uh, would, wouldn't you know that that same week that I was talking about that, that's where we had the accident. And as a matter of fact, this may some of you may not believe this, but this is 100% true. God is my witness and so is my wife. But as we came into the intersection that the person ran the red light, we were talking about that very thing. To trust God, to uh, believe in his power, and to uh, see him even in the midst of suffering. That was the subject on our lips. So my friends, whether or not today is my last day or your last day upon this planet, or whether or not we get to live another 50 years, we need to make sure that we're always ready to meet Jesus. We need to make sure that we trust him with our lives because you're not promised tomorrow. You're not, you know, you and I, we're making plans 2016. What are your goals? Oh, I want to lose weight. I want to experience this. You're not promised you're making it home today. You're not promised that God told you to walk by faith, not by sight. In the midst of this uh, holiday season, one of my friends posted up on their page that their friends had been in an accident, and the man died and went home to be with the Lord. And, um, uh, you know, he was in a motorcycle gang. And I don't know if they were uh, a Christian gang, rather, a Christian group, I should say. And I was looking at some of their pictures, and on his uh, vest that he would ride motorcycles with, it said, Though I ride through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And he died in a car accident or uh, an accident of some sort. It was either motorcycle or, uh, you know, car. And isn't that something? He used to wear a patch that said, though I ride through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that made me think about every time I get into a car, you're not promised that you're going to get out of that car. I don't want to scare some of you guys, but I do want to be honest with you. Also, some of our family members this year have experienced tragedy. Like uh, my aunt had her cancer go into stage four. She is in hospice now. We thought we were going to lose her. Uh, before the holidays, and now they're giving her just a few more weeks after the holidays. But could you imagine that if that was my father, if that was your father, that's my aunt. She's in hospice. She is ready to pass. Praise God, she knows the Lord. Others last year in 2015 uh, found out that they had cancer in this church, family members that we know. Another one that we have in the second service, Jerry's brother had beat cancer many years ago, and then at the end of this year, it came back at stage four, and now he is fighting for his life, and he has children. So you 
you see, life is not always a bed of roses. Life doesn't always come easy. Some of you experienced those things in 2015. Others of us didn't experience any of that. You know, some of you are here today and you said, man, I had the greatest time of my life. We did a lot of marriages this year. Uh, some babies were born this year. And you may be looking back at 2015. Promotions happened this year. A lot of people came to me saying that God is blessing them financially. And that may be how you're coming out of 2015. And that is awesome. And we want to say praise God for that. So your, your uh, excitement of what God did encourages me. You know what I'm saying? When I look at your post, I don't want to see everybody having a hard time. I want to see people rejoicing because that helps me get through my hard times. And so we should be there for each other. And so whether or not 2015 was a tough year or it was just the best year of your life, you need to be ready in 2016 for whatever comes your way. And that's why I preach this message at the, uh, the sermon series at the end of the year, Abide. Everybody say Abide. Thank you. And we're going to be seeing this passage for the last time, at least in this series, John 15. And I wanted to get into your heart today that no matter what you go through, good times or bad times, that you're going to abide with Jesus, that you're going to stick with Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up on Jesus. Look at your other neighbor and say, because he didn't give up on you. Seriously, you now have a choice to whether or not you're going to stick with Jesus through the problems of your life. And today's grand finale of this sermon series is complete joy. What if I told you that Jesus promised you complete, perfect joy in the midst of an imperfect world? Would you believe me? What if I told you that Jesus said you could have perfect joy? You may say, Pastor, well, that, you know, that's not true. There's hardships in life. Well, then was Jesus lying to you? Because I'm going to show you today that Jesus promised perfect joy. Perfect joy. Not a perfect world, not a perfect life, not perfect circumstances, not a perfect job, not a perfect economy. He didn't promise any of those things. As a matter of fact, he promised that all of those things would go wrong. Things would go wrong in your life. Things would go wrong in your job. Things would go wrong in your relationships. But he did promise perfect and complete joy. Are you with me in John 15? Say, I'm there. Now see if you can catch the little surprise that I have here for you at the end. John 15, 1, every time you see the word abide, you're going to say what? Abide. Let's read it together. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear fruits, uh, bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Thank you. And I in you. And that word abide means to cling, to hang out, to stay, remain. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Thank you. Continuing on, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it will sh and it shall be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples everybody say disciples here we go as the father has loved me i have also loved you 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Here's the surprise. I've added two verses to this passage. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may abide in you and that your joy may be full, complete, and perfect. Wow, the chapter didn't end at verse 10, did it? It kept going. You should read John chapter 15 in its entirety if you haven't. It is a powerful passage where Jesus is speaking to us his promises before he was going to leave the earth. He was telling his disciples, I'm about ready to die, be crucified, and then go back to heaven. But it's a good thing that I go because the Holy Spirit will come in my name. And that's the context of chapter 15. Chapter 14 is of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 16 is of the Holy Spirit. And here, sandwiched right in the middle, John 15, is this promise of abiding. So how are we abiding in Jesus? How is this happening? By the Holy Spirit. And here, this nuggy at the end of this talk here about the vine and the branches, we see that he told us these things. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you. What things? The things that we have been learning the prior sermon series all throughout these sermons about him being the vine, us being the branches, God being the gardener, us bearing much fruit in him, fruit being the fruit of the spirit, fruit being in ministry, fruit in our jobs, fruit in our marriage, fruit basically meaning success and blessing. He said, I have told you all of these things and taught you about abiding in me so that my joy may abide in you. That's how he's leaving us, with joy. That's what he's speaking to the disciples about. And if you know, in John 16, he then says, I've told you these things that my peace may be in you. So if you think of joy and peace being together in the Holy Spirit, you will see what Christ leaves with us. And why should we have peace in this world? Why should we have joy in this world? Because the world's gone crazy. The world is full of sin. What's wrong with the world? Everything is wrong with the world. There's nothing right with the world. It's all broken, and only God can fix it. Only God can fix marriages. Only God can fix families. Only God can fix Chicago and what's going on in our inner cities. Only God can fix the corruption of our businesses, corruption of our, of our politics. Only God can fix you. You're broken in all ways. Sin without Christ has tainted every part of your life. You may say, well, look at how much I love my children. Look at how much I care for for my children. Sin hasn't tainted that. Yes, it has, because no matter how much you love your children, you stick around with them long enough on a long day, you'll start to sin against them in your temper. Do I have any amens from mothers and fathers here today? Your love is tainted by sin. You don't have perfect love without Christ. I know my wife loves our four children more than anybody could possibly love children, or maybe just as much. There's nobody who loves children more than my wife, and yet I have to work from home, and I'm in one floor on, in one floor of the house, and my wife is in the basement with our children, and as the days go on, I can start hearing the voice of my wife get louder and louder, and then all of a sudden coming through the, the ceiling, coming through the vents, I can start to hear my wife screaming at the children in her time of weakness, and I I have to get on the phone and text her, peace be still. Peace be still, honey. You're getting too loud. And then, you know, she had this accident, and then now I see why she gets so loud. 
just a few hours with me and I'm already losing my joy if I'm not careful. You see, Christ says that without him we can do nothing. So even the greatest of your affection, even the greatest love you would have for your husband, your spouse, your children without Christ is incomplete. Without Jesus, there is no peace that can last through the storms. Without Jesus, there's no joy that can carry you through life. Think of the joy you've had on the greatest day of your life without Christ. And think about how it fails in comparison to the worst day you had with Christ. See, on the best day without Christ, what made you happy? Your paycheck. Maybe that girl or guy returned your call or you went on a date or got married or had a child. Think about that which you had but yet how quickly it was fleeting from you. All of your greatest victories weren't enough to give you abiding joy, weren't enough to give you abiding peace, because if children just made parents happy, then why aren't parents happy all throughout the world today? If marriage was abiding and everlasting, why isn't every married couple happy today? If sex is what would make you happy and give you abiding joy, why isn't everyone having sex happy today? You see, on your greatest day, In comparison to knowing Christ on your worst day, Christ is still better. Think about on your worst day knowing Christ, the funerals that you've attended as a Christian, the jobs that you've lost, the houses you might have lost in the recession, me losing a church building there on Irving, the hardest times I faced, my wife going through this uh, surgery and the car accident, etc., has been better by far with Christ in the best days without Christ. Why? Because I've had abiding joy. I've had a peace that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. And as we look at this this illustration for the last time in our sermon series, I want to challenge you today to see yourself as Christ told you to see yourself. He said, I have spoken these things to you, these things about the illustration of the vine and branches so that your joy may be full, that your joy may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So in your times of stress, Christian disciple, see yourself engrafted into this luscious vine here that you are this this healthy branch that God is your gardener and he is taking care of you in the midst of whatever you're facing trials and tests know that you are God's and that God is yours isn't that wonderful I'm engrafted into the vine of Christ today no one can take me out nothing can separate me from his great love When we think about joy, I want to give you the definition of it in the Bible. The joy of the Lord is the state of delight and well-being that results from knowing and serving God. So when we're talking about joy today, we're not talking about just a circumstance that this thing or this situation made me joyous. No, we're talking about a person, the Lord makes you joyous, and because of that you live continually in a state of delight and well-being. This is a joy that is rooted and grafted into the vine. This is a joy that's not dependent upon paychecks, not dependent upon your health, not dependent upon popular opinion and whether or not people like you. This joy is based upon knowing God and serving Him. Do you know that kind of joy? Many Christians don't know that joy. Don't deceive yourself and think this is not for you today, Christian. Many people in this church, I can attest, don't know the joy of the Lord. You may have experienced it at times, but you don't know its abiding power. 
you wouldn't know the difference just looking at you on Sunday because it would seem like you have it because you smile like everyone else, you raise your hands like everyone else, but you see the rest of the week, the rest of your inner life, the rest of your self-talk is not abiding in joy. And you know it because you know something is missing. You let us know by posting it on Facebook and you let your coworkers know by your attitude and your family members know, but down deep inside, the one who really knows is yourself. And so I want to challenge many of you Christians here today that are not abiding in the joy of the Lord to be honest with yourself, to look inside your heart, even as you're hearing my words right now, and ask yourself this question, am I willing to receive the everlasting perfect joy of the Lord? Many of you want to argue with the Lord at this point, and I know because I've talked to you. You want to say, well, it's impossible to be joyous at all times because life brings tragedy. It's impossible to always have joy in the Lord because sometimes life doesn't go right. But my friend, what you're doing is you're confusing joy with pleasure. My wife was not experiencing pleasure as she was waiting for the ambulance to come and fix her leg. I wasn't experiencing pleasure when I was having to lose a church building. No, there are things in life that are uncomfortable, discomforting, and matter-of-fact suffering is in this life. But my friends, Jesus promised that even in the midst of suffering, you were to have his joy. You see, because some of you are thinking that happy and joy are the same things, and happiness has to do with happenings and happenstance, but joy is not a happenstance. Joy is not something that comes in the mail around tax season. Joy is not something that somebody gives you and then takes away when they're mad at you. Joy is in the person of Jesus Christ, and when you know him and you serve him, you have perfect joy that never ends. Now here is where I'm going to challenge some of your bad theology with biblical theology. Because now you're going to hear, not only in this passage, which we've already read, which is as clear as can be, but you're now going to hear Jesus repeatedly, along with the other New Testament authors, command you, everybody look up here, not ask you, but command you to be at joy at all times. He is going to command you to be in joy at all times. I'm going to say that one last time. He is not going to ask you. He is not going to say it's okay if you want to stay out of joy and have a pity patty party. He is going to command you, be joyful. Be joyful. He will command you. So today, my Christian friend and disciple friend, if you are not in Christ's full joy today, repent. Repent for whatever you have believed that has convinced you otherwise and stand in the joy of the Lord. And if I have time, I will give you some stories today that will make whatever you and I are facing pale in comparison. And yet they had the fullness of joy. It's, I just have to start right here. It's, it's funny that here in our, in our world, we go to the refrigerator and we, we don't have milk. We begin to complain because we can't have cereal. And all of a sudden, that can ruin our entire day. And yet there are Christians right now being beheaded, and yet they have the joy of the Lord when they wake up in the morning. Two Iranian sisters were in captivity for nine months because they were handing out Bibles. They handed out over 20,000 Bibles, and they were then put in solitary confinement. They were then uh, tortured. They were then psychologically tortured for nine months. And you know what they said brought them through? 
not the knowledge that they had of God, because anybody can have knowledge of God. It was their relationship with God that brought them joy. You see, the source of joy filtered through their soul into that prison cell. Those captors could not stop joy from coming. The only thing that can stop joy from coming into your heart is your heart itself. Will you open up the gates of your heart and let the joy of the Lord come in? Or will you let depression close out the joy of the Lord? Will you let your circumstances close out the joy of the Lord? Will you now, out of your own pride, call God a liar and say, I can't be full of joy. Joy can't be for me perfect all the time because life is so messed up. My friend, don't call God a liar today. Take him at his word. Let God be true and every man a liar. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready to have your theology rocked? Okay, go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, the abiding perfect joy of the Lord is in the midst of persecution. Commanding you, commanding you. Somebody say, Jesus commanded me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When should we rejoice and be glad? We should rejoice and be glad because blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's when you rejoice and be glad. You are commanded, my pity partying saint, to get out of your little misery and to come and rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. That's a command for you today. You may say, well, I ain't got nothing to rejoice about. Well, then you don't know God then. Because if you knew Jesus, you would have something to rejoice about. You would have something to be happy about today. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't need to know what you're going through. The Bible's already told me, whatever you go through, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And if you're suffering in this world, be of good cheer because those who went before you suffered the same way. Jesus had joy set before him. That's how he endured the cross, my friends. Have you been crucified lately, whipped 39 times, had a crown of thorns placed upon your head? Have you sweat drops of blood fighting against the, the sin against you, coming against you? Yet Jesus had all of those things and many more things that we can never understand. And look at what it says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He could go through the pain of the cross for the joy set before him. Brother or sister, don't let traffic take the joy of the Lord from you. If Jesus could keep the joy of the Lord in the midst of being crucified, you can keep the joy of the Lord whatever you face today. Well, Pastor, what if I have to bury my loved one? Wouldn't it be the first time someone came to a funeral with the joy of the Lord? Pastor, what if I have to bury my child? Let's call up my mom and get her on the phone when she buried my sister Jenny, when she died drinking and driving, and ask her what kept her strong, the joy of the Lord. Pastor, what if they all leave me and forsake you? Rejoice and be glad. That's what the Bible says. See, now you have a problem if you have a problem with joy. You have a problem with Jesus, my friend, because Jesus said this is how we face our problems. This is how we go through life circumstances with the joy of the Lord. 
<laughs> I'm like preaching at y'all right now, and some of y'all ain't even believing this. You're acting like I'm saying be miserable. But isn't this something? Just check your heart, those of you who are being agitated. Doesn't this just prove to you how messed up you are and how much you need Jesus? That a preacher would be telling you to rejoice and you're not wanting to do it. I don't want to rejoice. What's there to be glad about? This pastor just telling me stuff. He don't know. Isn't that just something to show you how messed up we are and that you need Jesus? Think about that. In the midst of those problems, we can rejoice. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We suffer in life. Has anybody suffered in 2015? Anybody have any suffering, something that you went through? But look at what the Bible says here. Look at what the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we've been justified, starting in verse 1, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. But not only so, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Is the Bible lying to you? Should you glory in your sufferings or should you not? The Bible says you should. It produces in us perseverance, character, and hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you begin to look at this passage, you see that no matter what sufferings come into your life, you are to count them as glory. You are to say, Lord, I thank you for these situations. Not that I am happy today for Muslim terrorists and the, 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 the atrocities that they're doing, but I glory in the sufferings of our brothers and sisters who show that Christ is not only worth living for, he's worth dying for. I do not rejoice in what's happening in the inner city and more deaths in our uh, land here in Chicago than there is in Afghanistan right now. I don't glory in that. But I glory in what God is teaching Chicago right now, that he is the only hope and peace that we need. You turn to entertainment, Chicagoans, you'll have more of the same. You turn to your job and to money, and you'll have more of the same. Turn to Christ, and he'll build character in you. Turn to Christ, and he'll put hope in you. Turn to Christ, and he'll put perseverance in you. The choice is ours, is it not? And then lastly, we see here that in 1 Peter chapter 6, verse 8, that we are to consider 1 Peter chapter 6, verse 8, all the things that we face for our good and as a chance to rejoice. To be honest with you, has it been easy to rejoice in the midst of my wife and her pain, to, to sit in that hospital as she's preparing for the second surgery? And they're going to have to put plates into her leg, over 20 screws, over 40 st uh, stitches, cutting her in three different places. Holding my wife's hand, tears began to come down my eyes. But in all this, Peter says, rejoice. In all this, rejoice. Though now for a little while, 
You may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Why is it I had the joy of the Lord bringing me through that problem? Why is it the joy of the Lord was my strength as I had to leave her as she went into six hours of surgery because I knew that my faith was resulting in praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ that this world couldn't take the joy that God had given me. What an honor to be tested for the Lord. Do you know that when God created us, he created us in his image. He created us for glory. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, and they brought death and destruction. And my friends, the question isn't why do bad things happen to good people? No, the question is why do good things happen at all? Why in a world that God said he would curse with death, why is there still life? Why is there still sunshine? Why is there still air to breathe? Because God has been merciful upon the people of Adam and Eve. He's been merciful to mankind. What is man that he would be mindful of us? But he loves us, and in the midst of a world of death, he shines his light. And he bids all who have burdens to come and find rest in him. You see, my friends, you are in the divine romance. God is after your heart. If he was wanting you to be his slave, he could have forced you into submission. He could have created you like a robot and you would have known no different. But the cost of him creating you with a will has produced a world of pain and death. And yet in a world of pain and death, he doesn't force himself upon you. That's why he said a wicked generation looks for signs as if God has to prove it and write it in the sky. No, in a world of sin and death, he comes to you in a still small whisper and he says, seek me and you shall find me. He says, knock and the door will be answered. He says, ask, and you shall receive. Jesus, the lover of our soul, comes to us in the stillness of our heart and says, search for me while I may be found, for I am near unto you even now. How many of you have responded to the divine romance of God and have started the love affair with Jesus, have spent your life now with Jesus? Has that not been the joy of your soul? Has not the joy of God been more than any gold that perishes? Has not the joy of the Lord been worth more to you than even that love of a woman or the love of a child? Has not the joy of the Lord proven itself to you to be much more valuable? than anything you could have in this world. When we look at the joy of the Lord in context, we see that it's not pleasure, but it's knowing Christ. It's serving Christ. That's why, my friends, those who grew up in a world much different than ours, those like Susanna Wesley who lost many of her children at birth in the 1800s, who saw the destruction of war and disease, the Civil War, that is why those saints, my friends, held on to the old rugged cross because they knew it was the only source of life. God have mercy on us. Think about this, that we've been so deceived in this generation by the bobos of life. 
We go and we suckle on sports as if it gives us joy. But it doesn't give us joy. It only gives us temporary pressure. We run to our vacation spots like Disney World to try to find joy. But it gives us nothing. It's like a baby sucking on an empty bottle. And Jesus is saying, get off the bobo. Take away the empty bottle and I'll give you joy everlasting. What are you abiding in today? What are you abiding in today? Your job? I pray that God takes it from you so you'll see what it really is. Why? Because like the Bible says, I would rather you perish with a job or have a job perish than your soul perish. You say, Pastor, that's, that's harsh. But I'm being honest with you. I would rather you see the death of a loved one, like my mother saw the death of a child, than for you to put your hope in your children. I'm not cursing you. I'm just telling you. I'm being very honest with you. I'm just saying this to you. If you think your children are your only sense of joy, what are you going to do when they're gone? No mothers get to go to heaven, my friend. No fathers, only sons and daughters of a king. You cannot put your family before God and expect him to say, I'm okay with that. God lent us our children for a season that we might find joy in serving him by teaching them and raising them up. The children were never meant to be idols of our hearts. You see, my friends, I wish that whatever you cling to today in some way will be taken, to, taken from you so that you will see that only Christ remains. You may think I'm sadistic, but that's a prayer of the Bible. Can I show you that's in the Bible? Paul said that all things will be shaken so that only Christ will remain, that your family will be shaken. Sometimes people ask me, they say, Pastor, so wh why is it people lose children? Because have you ever asked yourself that? People have lost children. Why do you think that happens? So God shows us not to trust in our children. Friends, your children are not here forever. If you don't think that's why children are allowed to pass, then why did God allow that to be upon this earth? You have to answer that. You have to answer that. I have come up with the answer. The answer is simple, but many Americans don't like it because to you, God is Barney. And for you, you think God will only do what feels good. You don't know the God of the Bible. God has allowed sin and death to be in this world. And whenever death happens, God has been there and said, it's okay. Nothing has ever happened without God's divine approval. And I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not a divine fatalist, but I believe in the sovereignty of God. I don't believe that human history is some bowling ball that God threw down the, the bowling alley. Now he's running, trying to get it going. Oh, no, 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 stop, 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 no, no. I believe when God created Adam and Eve, he understood all of the chaos that would come from their decisions of sin. And he said, I approve, I approve, I approve, because all of this will turn people towards me. This will be the greatest attempt for them to come towards me without manipulation without Christ forcing your hand this would be Christ's way of getting your attention when you see a child with cancer God is saying I defeat cancer put your trust in me that's what you're supposed to say when you see a child with cancer that's what you're supposed to. you're not supposed to say I'm so angry at God no because why did the child ever have breath why do you have breath why do you have a mind God gave you a mind and God gave you a conscience do you think God gave you a conscience that you can now shake your fist at him and say that God doesn't have a good system of morality God gave you that morality it's like you sitting on his lap and then you slapping him in the face 
The very reason why your conscience is grieved when you see a child with cancer, the reason why our consciences are grieved is because we know something's wrong. And we're all going to die, friends. All of us. No one gets out of here alive. The valley of the shadow of death that you walk through is your life. Every time you turn on Facebook, that's the valley of the shadow of death. This child died of cancer. This man died as he was with his family. This thing, you see death all around you. And you're supposed to wake up. And you're supposed to see in the midst of death, they're still alive. Where did it come from? You're supposed to see in the midst of pain, there's hope. Where did it come from? Every child that Susanna Wesley lost in the 1800s to influenza, to the stillbirth, all the children she lost, she turned back to God and blessed him and said, I know that life and death belongs to you, so I'll trust you so I can see my children in glory one day. You curse God now, you never see them again. I want to give you that fact just right now so you can understand. Some of you, I, I, want to, I do want this message to wake some of you up because some of you think that Christians are those living in some type of a bubble. My heroes don't live in a bubble, my friend. Most of the world hasn't lived as Americans in the last 20 years where you can take an Advil anytime you want to just eliminate pain to almost where we want to think pain doesn't exist. And I'm with you. I don't like pain. Nobody should. It's sadistic to like pain. It means you have a problem. But I want to be very honest with you. In the 1600s, I said the 1800s rather. Uh, it's the 1600s. Listen to this right here. Susanna Wesley was the 25th of 25 children. We live in a world where people abort children for their own convenience. God have mercy. Susanna and Samuel Wesley had 19 children. Nine of her children died as infants. Four of the children died were twins. A maid accidentally smothered one child. At her death, only eight of her children were still alive. She lost 11 children before she even died. How dare us shake our fists at God because we've got a stubbed foot today and take his name, stub our toe. Oh, Jesus Christ, God have mercy on your soul. We swear and take the name of the Lord. This woman lost 11 of her children, yet the joy of the Lord was her strength. They say that when these men right here, the beheadings upon the beach, the ones that were beheaded in Syria were quoting the Lord's Prayer. When was the last time you prayed the Lord's Prayer? When was the last time you said, despite whatever I'm going through, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let these images settle into your heart. This is what's going on in Syria today, my friends. These men who were brought there before that beach were praying the Lord's Prayer. Those Syrian, those girls who were brought in the Iranian jail cell, who were kept there for nine months, praised God in the midst of their suffering. How dare we as Americans say that God is not good? Rejoice and be glad. 
Stop letting the devil mess with your feelings and your emotions and convince you that God is not real, to convince you that God is not a good God. You have believed a lie, my friends. If you think this world is about your pleasure, this world is about the glory of God. And if he wants to spend your life, if he wants you to give your life on a beach for him, will you do it with joy? Will you say, blessed be the name of the Lord. God gets glory today out of me giving my life for him. Will you give glory to God on a hospital bed after your ankle's been broken as my wife was doing? Yes, we believe there are enemies. These enemies will burn in hell. Yes, there are just soldiers that should fight these enemies. Yes, it is true. We are here to resist evil. But my friend, evil can get into your heart in the form of depression, in the form of anxiety, in the form of low self-esteem, in the form of pity patty, in the form of of self-entitlement. And you'll have all the joy of the Lord missing from your life. And you'll wonder, what is this pastor talking about? I'm talking about these men having joy. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Susanna Wesley burying 11 children having joy. Because joy is not pleasure. Joy is a delight in knowing and serving God. You want to hear some verses on joy? Deuteronomy 16, 15. For seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord choose, the Lord will choose. For the Lord will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Does he say that we are to pursue, uh, you know, become billionaires, then have joy? No, he said, here's how we're going to celebrate festivals. You work hard, you go to the place I choose, and you rejoice, and I'll bless you in that. Where are all the people that were here last week? Where are they? See, they're finding joy somewhere else today. Last week we had 300 people. We'll be happy if we have half that this week, right? Because they're finding joy in their presence, joy in their food, joy in this. And God said, here, you want joy? Work hard. Come where I tell you to be, and I'll make your joy perfect. I found perfect joy in the house of the Lord. I never found joy in a club. I never found joy out with these ladies when I was running the streets. I never found joy in my education, my friend. When you look inside, you'll find distress. When you look at this, when you look outside of the world into the world, you'll see distress. When you look inside, you'll be depressed. But when you look to joy or to Jesus, your soul will be at rest. You know who wrote that? A woman's husband who was martyred in Central America as a missionary. Her and her husband were flying in, bringing missionary goods to the people. And on one flight he came in and landed by a riverside, the Amazon. And they killed him, speared him. And yet she still went back preaching the gospel. And that was what she said. You look at the world, you'll be distressed. You look inside, you'll be depressed. You look at the Lord, your soul will be at rest. Oh, I wish we had some people that had true abiding joy in this house. We see this famous scripture in Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet wines and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you may say to yourself, well, that sounds cool, Nehemiah. What were you guys doing? Were you guys just hanging out? Were you guys just partying? Was it just a Christmas celebration? You know, I've been to those. No, you know where Nehemiah is? Nehemiah was a slave in Babylon. 
His entire city had been destroyed and his nation had been taken captivity. He was a peer of Daniel. And God said, I'm sending you back to your nation to rebuild it. And when he and the people got back, they saw the entire place in ruins and all of their enemies living there and mocking them. And God said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start by celebrating. And all the people looked back at Nehemiah and said, there ain't nothing to celebrate here, Nehemiah. Our city's been destroyed. Our enemies are living here. And he said, no, 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 no. You go get some food. You go get some drink. You go get that sweet drink, praise God. And you, <laughs> Hallelujah. And you give it to those who ain't got nothing. And you stop your crying for the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. Come on, somebody. Why do you think at funerals they want to have a meal afterwards? Because it's time to start rejoicing. Now, you may say, friend, I'm sad at my funeral because I don't know where they went when they died. Well, start preaching to your friends and your family so you can know where they go when they die. Because you come to my funeral, friends, there's going to be a party. There better be some sweet drink and some food there. I don't want no grieving at my funeral because I've gone to heaven to be with Jesus. Wipe the little tear from Dito Bethany's eyes and tell her, Dito Bethany, your dad was a sinner on his way to hell. If he died in that, if I died in that accident, listen to me, if that car would have turned differently and I would have died like this man died yesterday or at Christmas time, listen, you tell Bethany this. Wipe those tears from her eyes and say, your, your father was a sinner on his way to hell, but God saved him November 5th, 1995, and he got to live for 20 years full of the joy of the Lord. He he got to see the promises of God and now he's up in heaven little Bethany wipe those tears from your eyes live for Jesus and meet him up there one day Woo! hallelujah that's what we say at funerals that's what Christians do at funerals I was at the funeral for my professor. He died in his late 60s and when I walked into that place it was a Holy Ghost party because the wife said he was a man of God. We're going to clap. We're going to sing for all that God did in and through him. Some people never have children. If I got to have a child and I lose one, I praise God that I got to see a child. I'll see the rest of their life in heaven. Some people have never been married. If I lose my wife, they say it's the hardest thing to go through. I will praise God that I had a wife. Some people in the, the world before us never lived past the age of 25. If I've got to see past the age of 25, I'll be thankful. You have so much to be thankful for. Start with what God has done at the cross for you. We see in Psalm 1611, this is David speaking. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. You don't fill me with joy with presence. Here's a present. Jesus, it's your birthday, but I'm giving everybody else gifts. It's Jesus' birthday, but I'm going to give you a gift, you a gift, you a gift. Where's Jesus' gift? Something to think about. You all better be giving gifts to Jesus. Amen. Look at this. In the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. Can the presence of the Lord come into a jail cell? Paul and Barnabas found that out. You ever been in a jail cell for serving God? You ever been whipped and beaten, put into a jail cell without running water and running toiletry? 
That's what Paul and Barnabas had. Beaten, whipped, put into a jail cell. Why? Were they, were they stealing? Were they lying? Were they hanging on the block? No, they were preaching the word of God. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas went to take John Mark, but they, you know, they began to argue here, and I got the wrong scripture. Let me get this singing in a jail cell. How many want to sing in a jail cell one day? What are you going to do if persecution comes to America? What are you going to do if it becomes against the law to serve Jesus? What I hope that we get to do here as a church is we get to say, yep, pastor prepared me for this. Give me the hymnal. I'm ready to go. Paul and Silas in prison. I put Paul and Barnabas. That's why I was mistaken. Look at this, Acts chapter 16, 16. Once we were going to the place of prayer. Where were they going? To the crack house? Where were they going here? To the place of where? You all can see that, right? They were going to the place of prayer, not to the crack house, not to the prostitute house. Not like Con, uh, what's uh, Chloe's husband, the basketball player, had all the money in the world going to these Las Vegas prostitute houses. No, once we were going to the place of prayer, we met a female slave there. She predicted the future. She earned a great money by being a fortune teller. Paul rebuked the woman, the spirit that was in the woman, and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. I've actually seen that happen in Bourbon Street in the French Quarter in New Orleans where they have this. The citizens get mad. They have an uproar. Look, then what they do here, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. You ever been mobbed before? The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. You want to talk about a bad day. After they had been severely beaten, severely beaten, like Jesus was severely beaten. Before Jesus went to the cross, he received a normal Roman torture. This is how they were tortured. Paul received that three times, by the way, the whippings like that. They were then thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Hallelujah. What do you think you're going to do now? Probably start complaining. Probably start saying, God, you ain't real. God, you must not love me. Where are you, God, in all of this? God, don't you know you're supposed to stop this kind of stuff from happening? God, don't you know I write your Bible? I'm pretty important around here, God. But about midnight, hallelujah, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Rejoice in the Lord always and again, I say rejoice. And the other prisoners were listening to them. See, people are going to listen to your praise. Your complaining ain't going to do nothing. You're just like them. You don't show Christianity that way. You don't show Christianity like that. You don't show Christianity through your complaining, through your murmuring. How many times has God convicted me? And probably more than he's convicted you. I know this as a fact. My complaining does nothing for the glory of God. But when I start praying, when I start singing hymns to God, that gets people's attention. All throughout our circumstance, have we not been given glory to God? Do you know how bitter my wife could be? She could be so bitter. Who was that person to run through that red light and hit me? People have heard about the accident and called him a jerk. We've never called him a jerk. We just say it was an accident. If he had intended to do it, of course, then he would be a jerk. But we don't think he did. I, I have no reason to be bitter towards the man. People have looked at my wife and looked at her as a beautiful woman raising four children. Why should it happen to her? Why not someone else? But you see, in a world where sin 
is used by God to glorify the Lord, and the power of sin is suffering and death, Jesus said it will touch everybody. But the good news is he's delivered us from that power. But we will go through tests. You can't be delivered unless you've been brought into something. You can't have a victory unless you've been in a fight. Hello. The power of sin and death touched my wife's leg when somebody had an accident and ran through a red light. But you know that every part of the hospital, every place that we've been, they've talked about how amazing she is, how encouraging she is, and her testimony of the goodness of God has touched people's lives. My aunt in hospice is worshiping the Lord as she's preparing to meet Jesus. She, her testimony is changing people's lives. There's a... a um, there's a, I got a play here. This might make me cry right here, but I don't know if you guys saw this. It was on Facebook of a Jewish woman singing with a woman that had lost her mind, a hymn, an African-American woman who obviously was a Christian. You want to see what it looks like at the end of your life? My friends, if you get to see your deathbed, you will be fortunate. Some of us may have a heart attack and not even get to see our deathbed and say goodbye to our relatives. Look it up online for me, someone on their phone, and then send me on my Facebook the link. I want to show you the end of humanity, what it looks like. A Jewish woman singing a hymn to an African-American Christian. Some of you saw it on Facebook. I want that to be sewn here today. <clears throat> Jared, do you know which one I'm talking about? Can you get Jared for me, please? How many know, how many have seen it? Yes. Show me that one right here. Find it for me and then just send it to my Facebook. Thank you. How many have ever lost somebody to Alzheimer's, dementia, anything like that? My wife has never seen me cry. Thank you. You found it? Yep. Send it to my Facebook, por favor. How many have ever lost somebody like that, like notebook? Anybody? My wife never saw me cry like the day she saw me with my grandmother. My Italian grandmother never didn't have her hair done. Anybody got a relative like that? Like it don't matter what day of the week it is, the hair is already in place. But when I, but when I went to that nursing home, my, my grandmother's hair was out of place. Food was all over her shirt. She couldn't even chew anymore. She forgot how to chew. She had to eat out of a straw and it had gotten all over her. Is that not the truth? What, what did you see me do, boo, when I went to that, that, that nursing home and I saw my grandmother out of her mind? I couldn't stop crying. You see, the brokenness of humanity will put you in a place, my friends, where you'll have to admit that I'm nothing without God. And so you'll have a choice. Are you going to find the joy of the Lord to be your strength, or are you going to go to something that will fail you? I'm going to put this up so we can all see it. And as we begin to see this video here, I want us to believe God. My internet's not working. Okay, here we go. I want us to see this, and I want us to believe that in the midst of our suffering, this is what God is doing for us. God sent this woman to be a helper. But I want you to see this. How many believe that God gives us comfort? I'm about ready to show you that. How many believe God gives us comfort? Can I hear an amen? Let me put it up here for you. Just make sure we have the volume up, please. Go ahead and turn it up. Thank you. 
Here's Gladys. She's lost her mind. The mind, the brain, <clears throat> the brain is just an organ that can. Mrs. Wilson. That can fade like anything else. Hello. This could be you. you want I don't want to scare you, but this could be you. You're not you promised to just die like this. These could be your last days. Gladys Wilson this is could a be wonderful your example of a person who was in the phase of repetitive motion where people use movements, repetitive movements, because they don't have any more speech or very little speech, but they have human needs that need to be expressed. You cry. You cry and you have a tear right here in your face. You have a little pain, you want me to touch you. You're very sad. Can you see me? Is it scary? You afraid? And if this person sits with their eyes closed, rocking back and forth, and maybe there's a tear coming down, there's a need there. There's a little tear that's coming out. Do you feel it? You feel a little tear? If you gently use touch, and I touched Gladys Wilson for the fingertips right here on the cheek is where the mother usually touches a child. If you touch an infant there, it looks up, and every cell remembers where it was touched by the mother. And often that person knows, even if they can't say a word at that moment, they won't talk. But, or they don't want to talk, but there's, there's a communication. And that person is no longer alone. Can you let me in a little bit? You think? Just a little? You think I could be with you and Jesus for a minute? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I used music because when speech is Go gone, ahead, just turn it down, but keep music, it Music, especially with Gladys. Turn back on these lights, please, music. but keep keep it on in the background. I don't mean to scare some of you here, but I want to be very honest with you. How do you know that's not going to be you? I mean, do you understand the end of the human race? This is the end of the sons of Adam. This is the end of the sons and daughters of Adam. When my wife and I, when we were going to the, uh, the, the, um, the farm there just recently, last Oct uh, October it just passed, there was a woman who had a stroke, couldn't even move her body anymore. How do you know that won't be you, my friends? You see, what I'm talking to you today about is the consolation of the Lord. I'm talking to you saying what that woman is going through right here, God is doing inside of her soul. God will not forsake you. David said, I was once young, now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. The angels of the Lord are camped around that woman right there, ready to usher her into the presence of the Lord. Her momentary suffering cannot compare to what she is about ready to receive. And in these moments, when her mind has been gone, the only thing she knows is God. That's it. Even when you don't know yourself anymore, God still knows you. 
This is the strength of humanity. This will be Michael Jordan one day. This will be Barack Obama one day. All the strength of mankind will fail. This will be little Wayne one day. And I don't just mean Alzheimer's. Whatever happens, this is the human race at its end. You say, Pastor, you'd really discourage me when you talk about joy. What I'm trying to do is wake you up to the reality of why you need joy. I'm trying to wake you up to the reality that there is a presence and the presence of the Lord brings joy and eternal pleasures. It's your choice. How are you going to face those times in your life? How are you going to deal when death comes at your door? How will you face the grieving of this world? My friends, I'm going to face it with the joy of the Lord, and I would ask you to come with me. Psalm 94, 19 says, when, I, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. When my mind was anxious, when I didn't know how to find peace within myself, you gave me peace beyond my own understanding. You think you're going to understand the world, my friends? You can't even understand yourself. How can you understand the world? We want to talk to God. We want to put God on the stand like he's at Judge Judy courtroom. God, hey, Judge Judy, bring God in here. Bring God in here. Okay, God, you sit there. Judge Judy, listen, God has been doing this, and God allowed this to happen. I don't like you, God. Judge Judy, you tell him how wrong he is. That's how we want to treat God. Like Judge Judy is going to come and slap God on the hand and say, Shame on you, God, for letting that happen. Shame on you, God, for letting evil into this world. Shame on you, God. No, God is looking at every single one of us, and he says, through the pain, through the, through the things that you've went through, I have had a purpose to bring you my joy. In the darkness, I brought you light. In the pain, I brought you joy. In despair, I brought you peace. That's the purpose of this world. Joy in the approval of God. Ecclesiastes 9, 7 says, uh, uh, would you get onto the keyboard for me, Jason? Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved of what you do. You see, some of you here, you are so into what man says about you that you can't enjoy the job that you have. There were people working in coal mines that had the approval of God, and yet you have much more than they've ever had, and you're still not happy because you're chasing worldliness. Trade your Facebook, Instagram approval for the approval of God. Stop trying to compete with your neighbor. Well, I want a purse like them. I want to live like them. I want a house like them. No, do what God told you to do. Eat the food you have. Drink the wine God gave you, the blessings he gave you, because he approves of what you're doing. Well, I don't like my job. Well, find a job you like and stop complaining about it already. You cannot get into the pity-patty mindset and think God is okay with it. He's not okay with you being at pity. He said, here's the deal. There's pain in this world. There's sin in this world. But I got joy, and I got a command for you. Rejoice and be glad. I'm preaching to myself like I'm preaching to you. Are we not preaching to Am I not telling the truth on myself right now? I will not. 
let this world take away the joy that God has given me. Joy in heaven and on earth. Isaiah 49, 13. So this, I'm, I, I wish I could just make some of y'all do it right now in church. Because I want to see how serious I'm preaching, who I'm preaching to. Shout for joy. You, you think we just clap like this because we just clapping like this? Just to, oh, let's, let's clap. No, we're clapping for Jesus in this church. We shouted for Jesus in this church. And I don't care what you do. I got to shout for joy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Son of God. Woo! Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts its people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. You afflicted today? That's all right. I'm not saying for you to deny your affliction. There is real affliction in life today. But shout to God with joy. He's having compassion on you. God is on your side. You are going to make it. And there's a place where every wrong is made right. There is a place where every tear is wiped from our eyes. Just as that woman was wiping that tear from Gladys's eyes, when she passes from this life to the next, God will wipe the tears from her eyes and say, Welcome home, daughter. Welcome home for the joy that I have prepared for you, the place I went to prepare. Romans 15, 13, we're supposed to have so much joy and peace that we can give it to others. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, all joy, not some joy, all joy and peace as you trust in him. See, when we don't have joy and peace, it's because we don't trust him. Look at your heart. Look at every time you didn't have joy and peace. What was the problem? It was in your heart. He said, I won't give a perfect world, but I'll give perfect peace. I won't give perfect relationships, but I'll give perfect joy. When we trust in him, joy and peace is fulfilled. Why does he give it to us, though? So you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those two Iranian girls I was talking about, when they were in that jail cell, they had so much joy and peace that they were winning people to the Lord. Think about that. You in a jail cell because of your Christian faith, and other people are now coming to that Christian faith willing to suffer the same thing you suffering because they were there for other stuff like crimes that they could get let out on, you know, stealing or something. And these criminals are now accepting Christ and accepting the death sentence that was upon the two girls. What do you think makes people do that? There is a story in the time of the persecution where one of the Romans who was setting the Christians on fire saw them singing hymns unto God and joined with them and died with them and said, if this is the followers of Christ, I'll die with them, recorded in history. Oh, my goodness. Y'all ain't even ready for this. Rejoice. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. And again, I say, do it when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord on paydays. Rejoice in the Lord when you got a boyfriend or girlfriend. Rejoice in the Lord when you're healthy. Rejoice in the Lord when you got all your bills paid. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's up to you. That's a command. That's up to you, my friends. I'm deciding to rejoice. 
Jude chapter 1, verse 23, 24 through 25. Now to him, this, oh man, see this is what gets me mad when people don't talk about God the right way. See, this is on God now. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, able to keep you from a busted, disgusted attitude, able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. He is, are you not, are you saying God's not able to keep you? Are you, are you telling me God's not able to keep you? Because that's what you're putting it on right now. Because this Bible says he's able to keep you from stumbling. That those two girls, because I just watched the video, bless my heart. I'll put it up on YouTube, you guys can see it. These two girls said the first night they were in jail, they were so scared, they couldn't do anything but speak in tongues. But every time they spoke in tongues, God gave them peace. And then when the jailers would come in and threaten them to convert or die, they would speak with so much boldness, it would surprise them. Because God was able to keep them from stumbling. You think you take these two girls right now, arrest them, and put them in Iranian jail. What do you think? Convert from Christianity to Islam and you'll live. Everybody would say, oh, I don't know if they can make it. I don't even know if my wife and I can make it. Come on. But what gave them the strength? What will give you guys the strength? God. Because they trusted him. They, they didn't try to figure it out. They didn't try to do it in their own strength. They just said, I trust you. Now look at this. Presents you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How much joy are you supposed to have? Just enough? Barely get along joy? You're supposed to have exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now and forever. There's so many more verses in the Bible you could learn about this. See, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. You better get serious about your joy. I mean this. You better get serious about living in the joy of the Lord because it's a real world out here. There's a lot of people who have lost their mind, and you and I better get serious about keeping our joy. Look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. Because I want to tell you in closing right now how to keep your joy complete and perfect. This is the last one of the year. I might as well go out with a bang. Amen. If y'all don't want to come back next year, that's all right. We'll get 10 more people to take your spot. Amen? We got, we got enough growing to do this next year. Complete joy. Everybody say complete joy. See, the joy of the Lord is not something the disciple has to search after and try to find. See, if you heard all of this and now in your mind you're thinking to yourself, well, man, I better start working on joy. I better start getting me some joy. I better go find some joy. I better go build me a joy castle and go live in it. No, no, no. Joy is not something you go looking for out there and try to find, but rather something you already have been given at your rebirth. You see, Jesus told you these things about abiding in his vine so that your joy would be complete. Get that encouragement today in closing as we corrected some bad theology. Get that in closing. Does the branch get whatever that vine has? It does. All that branch has to do is just let it flow, not stop it. And my friends, that's all you and I have to do is let God's joy flow like a river. You will notice this as you walk with Christ for some time. And I know I got some mature Christians here, so I need some testimony from you guys. But as you guys have walked with the Lord, have you not found true what I have found true? 
And that is God's joy is always providing a way of hope, a way of peace. When that accident happened, my ears were ringing. Smoke was in the van. Nancy was screaming so loud about her leg, I thought her leg got decapitated. In a nervous fret, I jumped out of the car, took off my shirt, and that was that day we had all that snow and stuff. I became shirtless in a moment and ran over to her and tried to put a tourniquet on her leg to stop what I thought was the bleeding. You see, that's a reaction. You get into a car accident, it's that fast. Those of you who have been in it, I'm not the only one, right? You've been in there. Boom, that fast, airbags are going off, smoke is happening. It's boom. But then the moment I just got into my right mind, it was literally like everything was just in slow motion peace. I put back on my shirt. (laughs) I put back on my shirt. It was cold out there. Asked my wife how she was doing. She said she's doing good. I said that they're getting the ambulance on the way because I heard people saying, shouting out, we've called the ambulance. I walk around. I check to see if my kids are okay. I make sure that they get bundled up. At this point, a stranger's running up to make sure our kids are okay. She's talking to them in the van. The police come. I recite all of their birthdays. Only got one wrong. Four kids, four birthdays is hard to keep up with. And all I knew is that God was giving me every step to take. And I wonder if in a little way, that's what those girls from Iran felt like. It's like, I can't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. And I don't even know how I'm going to do this because I don't think I could ever do this. But yet, in the moment, there comes the joy. There comes the strength. There comes the hope. When I was looking at my wife sitting in that hospital, I saw the joy of the Lord in the midst of her pain and suffering. I pray you see it in each other's lives. Here's just what I want to say in closing is you got to guard that joy. You've got to take it serious. That's, that's, uh, it's a funny quote from C.S. Lewis when you look at it one way, but the other way it's like, man, it's a true quote. It's the serious business of heaven to have joy, and, and God wants you to have it. And he wants you to keep it no matter what circumstances you're facing. And so I want to end with this illustration. When you think about complete joy, perfect joy, the joy that God gives, it's a joy that comes from the Lord. It comes from trusting Him and taking Him at His word. But what takes away your joy, as I was studying through this, at least two things will take away your joy. Sin, this whole entire category of sin, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, perversion, anger, violence, whatever, sin, selfish ambition, and then fear. So think about your life right now. What do you have in your life? Jesus says that complete joy, full joy, is to be our normative stance. We should not be allowing these things to take away our joy. This goes back to this idea of what Jesus said at the beginning, you're already clean. The engrafted branch into the vine is already clean. So we're not continuing to confess sin to be clean. We're not sinning to remain clean. And if we should sin, we're quick to repent to be back at a place of clean. Do you get it? My child's clean. They're not dirty. Clean. Now stay clean. They get their hands dirty. I wash their hands. That was the illustration Jesus gave us. I wash your feet because your body's already clean. That's what he told Peter. Are you with me?
The pruning that he talked about is this pruning of our fears, of our sins. Why? So that we can have complete joy. What is the areas of your life that you're sinning in? Those areas are the areas that are taking your joy. Flip them around. Be obedient to Christ. And those sins will now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, Pastor, I sin, I lose my temper. Repent and have the mindset of Christ. Be slow to anger, quick to listen, and slow to be, uh, quick to listen, slow to become angry. And what's the other one? Quick to listen, slow to become angry, slow to speak. There we go. Forgot that one. I need that, don't I? Right? So let's think about it. Boom, I'm angry all the time. I don't have joy because I'm angry all the time. What do I do? I repent and now become slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Struggling with pornography, struggling with sexuality, whatever, whatever. And that takes away my joy. So what do I do? Repent and get the purity of heaven. Wait till I get married. Do it only within marriage. Are you guys with me? Think of the same thing with your fears. Well, I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid of the people not liking me here. I'm afraid of not having customers, okay? I now switch that fear with a promise. Now I have complete joy, even if this situation hasn't changed. So the people at my job are making me afraid. They're agitating me. They're bothering me, whatever. I now trust God. I now have peace. Amen? To decide today that you will receive and keep the complete joy in your life. And this is what I want us to do before we go. I want to play this song. And thank you, Jason. Can we get up for Jason? He's a good man. Thank you, my brother. I know I'm a little late today, but it's the last one. I might as well make it count. I hope to see you next year. Amen. You Y'all going to come back? Oh, man, I'm so mad. I don't like that church. How come you don't like that church? Man, you talked about me being joyful, and I'm not, I don't want to be joyful. Oh, you're not going back there? No, I ain't never going back there. I want to be busted and disgusted the rest of my life, man. <laughs> that pastor was telling me to be joyful in the Lord. What's wrong with him? <laughs> I want us in closing to listen to this song. The words are there. It's a very old school song, but it's so powerful. And as we listen to this song, I'm going to ask us, all of us, I've already prepared my heart in the prayer time today, right there kneeling. I'm going to kneel again here somewhere. If you want to kneel, you kneel. Just wherever you, whatever you need to do to get alone with God. And I want you to search your heart and see, are there any things in your life that are taking away your joy? So that you can today have the perfect, whole joy of the Lord. Don't leave out of here without it being everything to you. Let's listen to this song in closing today. Be my all in all, Jesus. You can go ahead and put it up, please. Just a little bit more. I want everybody to be able to hear it. So powerful. All I once held dear, build my life upon all this world.
remember that's the definition of joy. Knowing you, there is no Love Jesus today. Do you know him? Knowing you sing it out today. Jesus. And knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're Would you stand up today and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Come on. Today, God, we want to know you more than we've ever known you before. If joy is knowing and serving you and delighting in you, abiding in you, then, God, I want it. I want it today. I want your joy, God. I want your peace, Lord, that passes all understanding so that when the day of trouble comes, I will stand, and having done all that I can, I will stand. Lord, today may this church see in retrospect from 2015 all the good that you've done. May we all be grateful to see how you're working things out for our good and for your glory. And, oh, God, as we step into 2016, not knowing what's ahead, but trusting an unknown future to a known God, we say, Lord, wherever you go, we will follow. And we will rejoice and be glad in you. We will rejoice and be glad in you. As the altar workers come, would you just, in your own heart right now, make a determination. I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will rejoice. Make that determination now. I used to say every day was a good day with Jesus. Because in the South, everybody comes up and talks to you, strangers. It's weird, Chicagoans. If you've never been to the South, strangers actually talk to you. So I was from the Midwest, very similar to Chicago culture, Indiana. And going to New Orleans, they talk everywhere, literally. At the gas station, the guy across the, the pump, he's talking to you. The gas station attendant will stop and hold a conversation with a total stranger. And the rest of the people in line won't even mind. It's like... Let them talk about whatever they're talking about. I'll get there eventually. That's the South. And I remember the day my sister died. I was in Fort Wayne on break. 
and my mother woke me up at the crack of dawn and she was weeping and I couldn't understand what she was saying and she finally got the words out, Jenny is dead, Jenny is dead. My first instinct grabbed her by the, uh, the shoulder, got out of bed and fell to my knees with her and began to pray and weep with my mother. A few hours later, we had to get into the vehicle and travel to the junkyard where my sister's car was at to retrieve her things and then go to the morgue to identify her body. When we stopped somewhere on that journey to get gas in the Midwest, someone asked me how I was doing. And I was thrown off. I mean, this is the Midwest. You, you, you don't ask me. We were pumping gas. I'll never forget. Just ask me, how am I doing? And I'm like, you don't do this here. This is not normal. But I knew it was God testing me. What are you going to say now? What are you going to say now? Every time you say, every day is a good day with me. That's what you say, Joe. But what are you going to say now? And I literally just felt in my heart this thing come into my mind that, you know, God will understand if I don't say it. But it was a test. And I remember looking at that person, and I said, every day is a good day with Jesus. I wasn't denying that my heart was shattered. I wasn't denying that my sister had died that night and I was on my way to the morgue and to the junkyard. I wasn't denying that my mother was facing the greatest pain of her life, but I was acknowledging. I wasn't denying, but I was acknowledging that God is greater and everything is in his hands. And therefore, today is a great day to walk with Jesus. Every head bowed and eyes closed, are you ready to face life like that? I'm asking myself, am I ready to face the next tragedy like that? I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you ready to face 2016 like that? Are you ready to say, Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That is a scripture. Are you ready to say that every day of your life? Are you ready to say, I'm committing to rejoice no matter what? No matter what happens, no matter what people do, I'm trusting God. I am trusting God in the midst of this life. If you are, in closing, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hands. Only those, be honest, who are ready to face life like this, just raise your hands with me and sing this chorus out. Knowing you, Jesus. If you're ready, come on, raise them up. But only those who are serious. Come on, get serious with God today. It's a serious business of heaven. There is no grace. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. One more time in closing, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, Jesus. 
you look up here in closing two men got two different testimonies Salvador and Jessica had to bury a, pre a premature child named Hezekiah that lived inside of an incubator for how long two weeks two weeks and it was only by the joy of the Lord that was their strength that got them through Berto lost his father buried his dad watched him die of cancer how long did it take before it was finally over Lung failure, about three months. You lung failure, sorry, three months. Could you imagine that? Those of you who still have your dads around, the dad is the strength of your life, your backbone, watching him deteriorate for three months. These two men, one lost a child, one lost a father. Both of them can say, God is good. Any men here today need strength, want another brother to pray with you, come see these men. Obviously, everybody's good, but you want someone that can identify, come up here. Our sisters, Jessica is the one that had the child as well. And Robin has suffered in life. She lost her mother. How old were you when you lost your mother of cancer? 11. 11 years old. Anybody that's had a mother more than 11 years old, you have nothing to complain about in Robin's mind. Because you've known your mother longer than I ever known mine. That's what she has in her heart. But the joy of the Lord, she put up a picture. What made you put up that picture of your mom during the holiday? What made your sister do it? The joy of the Lord and her strength. Just to say, I remember you, Mom. And Mom was a woman of God. Amen. And they didn't turn their back on God. You know, there's so many people running the streets right now saying, I don't want to serve God. God took my mother. God took my son. God took this. But here you see people more full of joy than they are at the bars today. You're going through something today, teenager? Come see this guy right here. Not only did he lose his father, but he grew up rejected by the culture he lived in. He was a white man living in a Latino world. He tried so hard to fit in with the kids on the block. And he turned to drugs to fit in. Is that not true? That's true. And he became a loner. Didn't really have real friends. And yet when he walked into this church, he felt the love of God. And when he did lose his father, they lost their father within a few months of each other. God gave him the joy of the Lord. I could keep you here all day. This brother right here came to our church, seeing a psychiatrist, was on depression medication. Nothing against seeing a psychiatrist or a professional. That's okay. Doctors are here to help. But he was depressed. Felt rejected in life, right? Felt like you didn't belong, right? Right felt like things were going wrong. Everybody else is getting a girlfriend. Everybody else is getting to college, all these things. But what did God do? Healed me from so much and brought me joy. Took away the pain. See, that's who prays at these altars. I could get to Cynthia, but I'm not. No, I know Cynthia's gone through some stuff, but I just want to be led of the Lord. I'm just sharing with you some stuff here. If you want to be prayed for, come let them pray for you. Otherwise, go out of here in joy. Amen. I want to see you so happy this week. 
I want to see you rejoicing and being safe. If you drink, drink responsibly. Be an adult and drink responsibly. Amen. But I want to see you start this new year the right way with the joy of the Lord. Can I hear the amen on that? Let's give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great week and a happy new year. God bless you. Come and get some prayer if you would like to get some prayer today. As we close out singing this beautiful song. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you. God bless you today. Knowing you, know Jesus, is no and you'll greater know peace. Thing. Oh, you're my all. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Fill us with joy this new year. Anything you want to pray for joy in your life or just for the community maybe you live in? Yes. Thank you, Lord. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, joy is synonymous with peace. Joy is synonymous with rest. Joy is synonymous, Lord God, with what you bring, Lord. And those are the things that you want Chicago to feel. Lord God, just yesterday, another shooting, police shooting, God. Lord, we see death and murder on the street. We see evil and wickedness. Lord God, but I pray that in the midst of suffering, we Chicagoans will find joy and rest and peace. Lord God, and it's, those are not things that are fleeting, but they're all personified in you, Jesus. Joy is personified in you. You are our joy. Lord God, you are who we grasp. Lord, I pray that 2016 would be a year marked with joy.